What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. We are here again for the Disney Plus review of the show Loki. Joining me as usual is Rob. Harrison is once again, if you're a repeat listener to these episodes, uh, Harrison's usually with us. Uh, He is missing one more episode. He'll be back in five for six, which we'll be happy to get him back from the basement binge. But... Rob, uh, it's it's almost at the end with Loki. These these shows seem to come and go, and before you know it, it's it's on to the next one. So, almost towards the end here. Yeah. So we are. We just concluded episode four. So we're, we're we've got just the penultimate and and then final episode. And there's still a lot of things to happen. There's still a lot of what we think will probably be some real crazy things, and some things that I don't know if it'll necessarily change the future of the MCU, but will definitely have a very profound impact on pockets of it. Um, We've talked a lot in the past about how much of an impact these Disney plus shows will be allowed to have, you know, do they really think that fans are watching it? Do they think that having not seen the shows or maybe not been a Disney plus subscriber, will that affect the movies? um, If people don't feel like they're going to understand what's going on without having seen them. Uh, well, first of all, uh, if you do have somebody that isn't watching these shows and is worried that they're not going to see it, just have them listen to this. Refer them to this show and we'll get them filled in and they'll be good to go. They can enjoy the movies. Um, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case. I think there's going to be things that are introduced. I think there's going to be characters we've seen on Disney Plus that will feature in the films. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure this is going to be, you know, the introduction of the next big bad. There's certainly, as we get into on the other side of the spoilers, there's certainly people that believe that possibly the next big bad has been hinted at or will, will be apparent, uh, as a result of this. But, um, yeah, two more to go. I think, I think the next week is going to be pretty wild because that seems to be what happens. The second to last is pretty wild. And then we get a good finale. Yeah, um, it's been stated by Tom Hiddleston that these last two episodes get really wild and there's some very subtle connections to things we might see coming up, uh, but that'll all be stuff that we get into later in the episode. So before we get into the teaser trailer portion of this episode where Rob and I give our spoiler-free thoughts of the episode want to take a quick second to you know once again say thank you to everybody that's been listening to the show if again you're coming back for another episode of loki welcome back if for some reason this is the first episode that you've clicked on and this is what you're listening to welcome uh go back listen to the other ones and check out anything else that we have it's a lot of fun doing it and rob as i mentioned that you know you're just a huge part of this show how do people get in touch with us? Yeah. So um, obviously you can search uh, for Matt goes to the movies anywhere that you get your podcasts. Um, you can certainly look on your favorite social media channels. Uh, as long as you're not looking for us on MySpace, Matt, the show doesn't have a MySpace, does it? Did you make a MySpace for it? You know, I'm, I'm trying to crack the code, but not yet. Um, yeah. God, God was my Geo cities page. No, but you know, for anybody that remembers, boy, MySpace was fun. I could get into a whole episode about how much I love MySpace, but that's that's for another time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole other show. Um, but yeah, so you can search uh, Matt goes to the movies on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok. 
uh, where Matt has confirmed that uh, if there's enough downloads uh, of the show, he will start doing the TikTok dances. And I think that's just a treat for all of us. Uh, but definitely email is, is a very easy way to get in touch with the show. You can uh, write your emails to mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so basically, you just take the first initials of Matt Goes to the Movies podcast at gmail.com. Uh, certainly uh, direct messages on social media or even just writing to the show uh, through social media. You can comment on any of the posts. Uh, you can also comment on Podchaser. You can leave reviews of the show on Podchaser. You can leave reviews of the show as a whole. You can leave reviews on individual episodes. Uh, but certainly we uh, we love hearing from the listeners and and especially the international listeners. It's, uh, it's always fun to see new countries pop up uh, on, on the downloads and um, you know, certainly if you're listening outside the U.S., we want to say thank you. If you're listening within the U.S., we want to say thank you. Uh, certainly hit us up. Let us know. Uh, let us know what you're doing while you're listening to Matt Goes to the Movies. Uh, are you driving to work? Are you doing dishes usually? And uh, and what's been your favorite episode? What's been a, a favorite new feature? Um, we just want to hear from the listeners. And, and we, we just, you know, we certainly we do this because we love talking about this stuff. This this really gives us a lot of fun uh, to look forward to uh, getting a chance to really kind of in-depth break this stuff down. So um, we, we'd certainly love to carry on that conversation with anybody listening to our voices right now. Yeah, well said. Um, and everything that Rob talked about will definitely be in the show notes, so that way you can click links. And if you'd like to interact with the show, which we love, it'll be in the, the show notes for here. So, Rob, let's move into the teaser trailer, and I'll let you go first. This is sure. where we try to keep this uh, two minutes and spoiler-free. Uh, our initial thoughts of this episode... So I crushed last week's episode. Uh, neither of us liked it. I obliterated it. Um, it was kind of another episode of Rob ruined something. Um, and kind of looking back on it, was it really that bad? I gave it one and a half reels out of five. Um, was it really that bad? Uh, you know what? Maybe that was a little harsh. But at the end of the day, when you when you think about a piece of entertainment, if if it, if you get done with it. And you go, well, that didn't even really need to exist. I think that's pretty much an indictment on it. So was one and a half harsh? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But um, we get into this week and we definitely don't have a filler episode. There's definitely some things that happen. There's definitely things that are going to be setting up what we get for the last two episodes. And there's there's some things that worked really well. There's some things that didn't work very well for me. Um, some very, okay, there's a compelling twist that we get. Um multiple compelling twists, I would say. Um, and certainly some things that I'm looking forward to. We get a, a feature from uh, an MCU character not already featured in the show, which is not something we typically get on Disney Plus. They, they show us who we're going to have. And then that's it. You know, the the connection to the larger world in terms of other characters kind of just doesn't really happen very often. Uh, and we got one that uh, it, it was really kind of cool to see. So I, uh, I kind of hope that we get more of that in the future. Yeah, you know, my thoughts, and if you, I, I'm, if you look at any review site for this episode, this thing is really mixed. I have talked to people in red reviews that says that say this is the best episode ever for Loki or the MCU. I have seen Ooh. other reviews and I have talked to other friends 
of mine who say this is the worst. There is a huge scale for this episode. And it's one that as we're talking about it, I, I kind of have both of those feelings because there's some things as I think about them, I really, really like. There's other things where I feel again that like, where is this going? When are, are we ever going to get a show that feels like it matters just in terms of the show and that it's not all just, okay, we have to get to movies, which I kind of have a problem, you know, I kind of have a problem with. Uh, I feel like some of these shows, we mentioned it before, need to have a real stakes just to the show, not to the greater MCU. But this is an episode that I do not dislike as much as the last one, but I feel like I almost need to watch this a third time to maybe see how I really, really feel about it. There's some definite like teases for things that could come. Um, which I will get into in the spoiler section of this episode, but this is very much a mixed bag for me. I could, it's almost like going on a merry-go-round. I could spin once and I'm in one spot and then I spin again and I'm in another place for this episode. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um, One of the things that I immediately thought after my first viewing and my second viewing really confirmed it for me. Um, If you like this, this episode, I get it okay there's there's things to like if you tell me you don't like this episode i also get it um i also think that makes sense and it's <clears throat> when you're talking about how there's reviews all over the place it reminded me of uh, of a film you know i think we've talked about it once or twice on the show maybe maybe we haven't talked about it much um the last jedi um where yeah. um, <laughs> um it's a little all over the place there's people who hate it and there's people who hold it up as a paragon of everything Star Wars, Star Wars should be. And there's one of each of those on the other end of the of the of their phones on, or, or Chromebooks of uh, on this episode right now. Um, and it's kind of funny that this has you know parallels to Last Jedi because we we have a scene that we'll, we're going to talk about later that reminds me a lot of a scene from that, uh, and I have some similar feelings to it. Yeah, I think those are all great points. And, you know, to really dive into them, we have to get into the next segment of this episode, which is from seat to screen. And that's where we talk about what works, what doesn't work with this episode. And I I would like to talk about, at least from my perspective, one of the things that does work, because I've had a problem with this since the start. And this was the first episode where I truly felt different about it and that is actually loki and his emotions towards what's happening i have not been a believer and maybe he's been acting and maybe he hasn't but there have been scenes to me which are meant to indicate that he really does have a change of heart and he was like devastated to see that asgard was destroyed and Odin, you know, died. I just didn't believe it. I didn't believe that 2012 Loki fresh off of losing his bid to destroy New York and start taking over would just boom, basically like the infinity gauntlet snapped him a different perspective 
would really care about some of the things that happened. This was an episode where I believed his emotion for is Sylvie okay? Is Mobius okay? Was he really sorry to here's part of the spoilers that his reaction to seeing Lady Sith, he was sorry. I really did believe that this version of Loki was starting to turn in that direction. And I thought that worked. So Rob, do you have that feeling? Did you already think that you were in belief that he was starting to change? How do you feel about that? Um, I, I cut a lot of what you talked about. And, and I think when you look at when he's getting his ass handed to him by lady Sif, uh, just over and over again, just getting punched in the face, knee in the nuts, you know, just over and over again. And he has to admit to her something. And I, and I, and I'm going to get the line wrong, but he says, you know, he, he acts out for a lot of, a lot of different reasons. Um, when he says that and admits that, and that's kind of what causes Mobius to stop the loop because he, he had that breakthrough. Um, I believed it, you know, I believed the emotion, uh, what he was asking if, if Sylvie was okay. Uh, I believed that, um, I even, I even believed a lot of what he was saying to Mobius, you know, um, he's got a line that's kind of borrowed from Lord of the Rings, you know, um, you know, what about taking it from a friend? You know, uh, again, I'm going to get the line a little bit wrong, but I I believed all of that. Um, in terms of things that worked, you know, let's, let's talk about the, the Loki and Mobius scenes because we get them back together and much like what we saw earlier in this season, um, when these guys are on screen together, when they're, when they're kind of bickering, when, when they're kind of, you know, becoming best of frenemies, like <laughs> it's good stuff, right? Like it's, we kind of saw this with Falcon and the winter soldier too. When, when, uh, when Sam and Bucky are, are kind of, you know, fighting with each other, they, they believe in a common good. They, they have the same goals, but they just, you know, they're struggling for, for whatever reason personally or, or how they want to accomplish those goals. You know, that, that really worked well. And that was one of the things that was best about that series. And, and I'm going to say a part of that is what really works here. You know, it's not that these guys necessarily have aligned goals per se, uh, not initially, but um, when they're on screen together, um, it's, it's great. Um, I, I did not expect to like Owen Wilson as much as I do in the MCU. I was, I wasn't sure what I was expecting. Not that I don't think he's a talented actor, but I just wasn't sure that um, I would like him this much. And, and I really do. I thought, I think he's been great throughout this whole season. Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, great chemistry. And you have to give, I, we've talked about it before. The one thing there's there's a lot, but picking out an aspect, boy, does Marvel they've sure picked some dynamite casting choices that you wouldn't think. I mean, really, like, did you think about, oh, Owen Wilson's going to be in this and that's going to be great? No, not really, because. I thought about like Owen Wilson when I knew he was in this and I said, yeah, I like him in wedding crashers and I like him in the movie, the internship and you know, things like that. Is he going in Zoolander? Like I liked him in those, but (laughs) is he, 
you know, is he going to seem like the same guy? And is that going to fit within the MCU? But credit to him and credit. I mean, he's an actor, but credit to him and credit to Disney first, like giving him a shot and saying, yeah, this works because it does work because you get some instances of that Owen Wilson, you know, screen persona, but then you also get these all of a sudden, like deep, not well, maybe father like scenes with him where he, and you get one of those in this episode where he's talking to Loki or maybe just a really good friend where at one point he says to Loki, look, are you serious? I just want to tell you, you can be whatever it is you want to be, even if that is somebody who's good, just in case nobody ever told you that. Holy cow, like that works. Like I sat there and said, damn, that was good. And I just, I did not expect that from him and from this show. So I've been very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I would like to piggyback. Oh, go ahead. No, I, the, the only thing I was going to add to that, and, and everything you said is true. If I were told you that Owen Wilson was going to be the MCU and you were going to like him a lot, I think you would have assumed it was one of two possibilities. He would appear in Guardians of the Galaxy or he would appear in Ant-Man. Those would be the two ways you would think to bring an actor like him in and and have it work and have it be something that you really enjoyed right yeah i mean you you would have thought he would have fit in those movies not this in the way that he does so fan fantastic so far and i would like to piggyback off that to for me and i i really want to hear your opinion on this rob because we haven't talked about it until right now one thing that didn't work for me is he goes and gets Loki because he believes him. He finds out that they were taken. The TVA was not created. They were variants and they are put into this job and he goes to get Loki and it's a feel good moment where you're like, geez, these two might actually consider themselves friends. And I would have liked to have seen that more because I think when Mobius comes back with Loki and he says, you know where I'd like to go wherever I was before here, and maybe I'm on a jet ski. And that was great, but I felt like it misses the mark a little bit because it happened so quickly. I would have liked to have seen him and Loki discover more together before he is zapped. I, and again, just my opinion, I feel like that didn't carry as much emotional weight that it could have. Had we been able to maybe see them develop and blossom, what looked like them both acknowledging. I like this guy. Then just getting rid of him so quickly, which we see at the end of this episode getting pruned or whatever it was called. I can't remember. Doesn't seem to be permanent. So maybe we see him again. 
I just thought there was a little bit more to do to have like that really hit like a ton of bricks. I, I think I absolutely hear what you're saying. Um, to me, having him having Mobius get pruned actually did hit me kind of, kind of in a big way because it was so unexpected. Um, when they came out of the time cell and they were talking to each other, the camera was set up in such a way where you immediately know, okay, yep, they, they got him. You know, it's like, uh, it's a good thing that they don't have like personalized cell phone covers for their temp pads, right? Or else they would have known right away. Like they all just use the same little flippy phone thing. Um, right. So it's a good thing they didn't do that or else that never would have worked. Um, it, there's, there's a lot going on here that, that I want to talk about for a second. So let's start with the TVA. Um, when we first are introduced to them at the beginning of the series, their purpose seems noble. They're upholding order, the natural order of things. Um, as we progress through this season, they're becoming far more nefarious in their purpose and their approach. And, and really starting here, if it wasn't, if the seeds weren't already planted last week, starting here, you, it's hard not to see the TVA as a fascist organization. Um, they've got stormtrooper police and full on like body armor, very militaristic. Um, there's a strict adherence to law and order. They're using force to achieve their goals. Like it's, it's some straight on, like they're, you know, there's this crazy sense of, of like duty to the organization, almost, almost the way that, you know, fascist societies develop insane amounts of nationalism. Like you can almost see that with the TVA. Um, and so it's, they're definitely not the organization that, that we thought they were. Um, I would, like I said, I was not, I was not expecting Mobius to get pruned. Uh, so that really just kind of surprised me. And I want to talk about just the phrase pruning or pruned or, or any way that they use it. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting that they call it that. So you think about, you know, if you're going to go out and prune your rose bushes or something like that, you're just cutting off the dead stuff. You're cutting off the stuff that you don't want on the rose because it doesn't belong there. Um, and I think to get, to get people who believe they are sentient, breathing, living organisms and beings to look at another person or another, you know, another being, another sentient life who kind of looks similar to them, functions similar to them, believes they are similar to them and just erase them from existence with the touch of a baton. Uh, you need something like pruning as opposed to kill or murder or assassinate or any of these other terms that have other meanings behind them. So the TVA or whoever created the TVA was very smart with how they control wording, how they control phrasing, how they get people to just believe strongly in their cause and just march to whatever orders they're given. Um, and that really plays more and more to the fascist undertones that I just mentioned we're picking up on. Um, Matt, did you catch any of that too? Uh, I mean, what did you think about that? Yeah, I think that you're starting to see, obviously, the cracks in the armor of this noble cause. And you're also starting to see who appears to know what the TVA actually is. So I think that's interesting because there's a lot of ties to the comics that seem like we might be getting a reason why this is happening and why, oh man, how did I forget her name? The 
the head of the TVA besides the timekeepers? Uh, Renslayer. Yes. Um, in the comic books, she's a love interest of Kang the Conqueror. So it would make sense that she would be okay, especially if he is somebody pulling the strings that maybe when she got pulled and she was a variant and found out it doesn't matter to her because it gets her closer to the person that she wants to be with, or who knows, maybe they'll pull something completely different than the comic origins. But yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of the undertones of what you said. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because Will this is the TVA just going to be a one off? It, it doesn't seem like they are. I mean, specifically with Kang being part of Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. But do they also have a presence in the multiverse of madness? How far do they actually go? And what really, you know, they say they're here to keep the timelines in order that does not seem like that's the purpose anymore, at least not for the benefit of, oh, we have to control Nexus events. There seems to be a much more deeper, sinister plan behind why these things are happening and what they're doing. So I can't imagine that this just ends or there's not a bigger picture moment with this. I, I really am fascinated with how the TVA or whatever becomes of them or whoever's truly behind it uh, plays out in, in the in the films and the episodes or uh, all of the different uh, MCU related media that we get um, it could really have lasting impact in ways that maybe some of the other films don't. I mean, obviously, we don't think we're going to get anything in, in Black Widow uh, coming up, but um yeah, to think about Kang, you know, that's somebody that's been rumored that a lot of fans think could be, I don't want to say the next Thanos, because I don't know that the next phases of the MCU will really build to something like Endgame. Like, that was that was a lightning in a bottle kind of situation that you could keep 23 films moving towards one eventual ending, um, you know, 22 to get to Endgame, of course, because Spider-Man was 23. Um and have one big bad sort of overarching once you introduce him uh, and that the other characters and the way they're introduced work towards that eventual outcome. I, I'm just not convinced necessarily that we get something like that where the entirety of the universe you've created works towards one thing. I think you might get pieces of it, uh, but I don't know necessarily you get every character. So um, Kang is one of those ones that are, that's out there, you know, who could be the next one? Certainly a lot of people would like to see Dr. Doom. I'd like to see Dr. Doom. Um, certainly bringing in someone like Magneto. I think that'd be cool too. Um, but there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to see. And, um, you know, we, we get the reveal that the timekeepers aren't who we thought they were. Um, it's just an Android when, when we actually see them. Um, I I've seen a lot of interesting things, uh, that people are theorizing about who the actual timekeeper might be or who the true authority behind the TVA is. Um, I've seen even one theory that it's it's another Loki. You know, it's a Loki variant or Loki Prime even um, that kind of finds a way to get out and, and, and take over. And that's why he's going after the Loki variants to make sure nobody else can. Um, I, 
I think those are all interesting theories. Uh, my personal theory is that when we eventually meet who is actually in charge of the TVA, it's going to be revealed to be Ralph Boner. <laughs> we, we, he still has to make a comeback. So I refuse to believe they would have wasted it once. Yeah. I mean, you know, you mentioned to phase four and like one big bad. I really, I do not think we will get the next overarching big bad until phase five. I think phase four will have somebody who maybe spans maybe a couple of movies but it will be wrapped up, but not somebody who everybody comes together because they have to take out. I do not think that will happen until phase five because that's when they have said like full fledged, they will bring in the X-Men. And I think that's when you have somebody again, maybe because if, if you've read the comics and Rob, I know you know this, Somebody like Dr. Doom could be an overarching villain for phase five that people would have to come together and take care of. There certainly has been so many depictions of how Doom becomes powerful enough to warrant teams getting together to stop him. Um, one of the like really great, depictions of that was in a game called Marvel ultimate Alliance when he steals the power of Odin, um, which couldn't happen in this series based on what's happened. But there's been some great stories with why doom is somebody who needs to be like taken down by a group of teams and not just one team. And he's, and he's a popular enough character that it, that it works, you know, you think about everybody else who's out there, you need somebody popular. You need somebody who's actually really powerful. Um, he fits the bill. Yeah, I, I, I think he does. And I think that would be, I don't think anybody would really have a complaint with him, but you know, that'll be for, that's a podcast down the line to talk about. <laughs> okay. You know, here's how many, you know, here's X, Y, and Z why would this person be the right person to be the next overarching villain? But it, it's interesting too, because the, the more I'm talking about this episode with you, I'm, I'm kind of turning my opinion a little bit because I'm starting to think of more things that work than don't work in this episode. So I'm starting yeah. to have a little bit of a tonal shift for how I feel. <laughs> 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 which um, is, I, you know what here's the thing fun. i get that because i feel like this is one of the ones like i said earlier if you if you liked this episode a lot i i get it if you didn't like this episode much i kind of get that too um and i kind of think this is one of those ones like usually when we're we're about to assign reels to something i already know before we hit record what my rating is um i have not written mine down yet because i kind of felt like I needed to talk it out and I needed to have some, I, I needed to hear what you were thinking about it too. Not that I was necessarily like, Oh, well, Matt gave it a five. So I better make sure I rate it good. Like, um, or Matt gave it a one. I better make sure I, you know, I rate it low. Not, not for those reasons, but I, I almost feel like I needed to kind of have like a little bit of a dialogue about this one to really feel like I knew how I felt about it. Yeah, that's it. That's why these are so fun to do though, because it's just, it's fun to hear about other opinions and how it can 
make me just stop and think for a second and go, yeah, okay, I didn't see that the first time, but boy, I, I, or I didn't think about it like that. And I can totally see why that would be the case. So uh, that's why these are a lot of fun and keeping in line with fun and what works lo and behold, um, guess who comes walking through Loki's time loop, um, conundrum, but lady Sif and boy, was it great to see her back. Yeah. Um, I mentioned a little bit before, but this is the first time we've really seen on Disney plus an MCU character introduced that we didn't already know was going to be there. And I just think that just being reminded of the connection to the larger world outside of the story, the show is telling was so much fun. Um, I loved this scene. I, it was perfect because it makes sense that at some point along the way, Loki would just be a jerk and do exactly what he did. And she'd have a problem with it and she'd beat the crap out of him. And Loki wouldn't care that she beat the crap out of him. It was fine for him. That's he was going for that reaction. Um, you know, it might've been his way of flirting, you know, it might've been him just bored. Um, the scene is fantastic. The fact that it's on a loop is fantastic. Um, very creative. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely fun. Great to see her back. Hopefully that is not the last time for a while. I'd like to get more of her. And it again, it, it ties into that really good scene with Loki where he explains why he's doing what he's doing, which was totally believable. It felt like an actual real self-realization and an admittance of, I, I want to do better, but I first need to admit why I'm doing this in the first place. And the reason, I mean, we don't need to get into some deep philosophical thing, but his reasoning, it doesn't have to do with being a God or anything else. That's a real human emotion. And there's a lot of examples where you do that, where, you know, you could be afraid to be alone, but you act out and push people away so that, you don't get close enough to then be alone, but you're just, you're sabotaging yourself that, you know, that was Loki being, you know, his, his human side of his character, which I really enjoyed. I, I have a question for you when you think about, so immediately after the events of the original Avengers film in 2012, um, Loki's all chained up. He's got the thing over his mouth so he can't talk. And Thor pretty much takes him right to Asgard. And that begins what we see in Thor the Dark World, which if you haven't seen in a while, you'll be excused because it's not worth it. Like, it's just not good. Um, we see Loki change a little bit in that film. We see him, you know, we, we see his bond with his brother kind of grow. It's it's an interesting dynamic. We see how he feels about his, you know, his adopted mother. We, we really see more about him than we than we knew before. We see more of that again in in Ragnarok, and we kind of see his his tricksterism as well. We see him, you know, leveraging things to his advantage, not always necessarily being on the up and up, but we actually see him really take that that heroic turn, that final turn towards the heroic uh, in, in Ragnarok, um, and we see him die a hero's death in Infinity War. Like I would call that a, he dies a hero's death. Yeah, the Loki that we pick up within this show, who's a variant of the one that was in chains at the end of Avengers. 
will he be a better man? Assuming, you know, again, humanity is a, he's, he's an Asgardian God. Will he be a better man at the end of this series than the one who died in infinity war? And I kind of feel like, yes. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a really good point. And I'm, I am interested to see where this will leave Loki in terms of the MCU and what he will be going forward. Should he go forward? I I think there's so much more that they can do. So that is one thing they have got me really intrigued as to, okay, where does this at the end of this, where does this Loki fall? What does he want to be? Does he really learn something from these events or, you know, is a zebra always going to have stripes, so to speak? Yeah. I, I want to talk about another scene along those same lines of, of just really seeing growth from him as a character when he and Sylvie are pretty much convinced they're about to die together. You know, there's, there's no way out of this thing. Um, they kind of share a moment and it's, it's not creepy romantic yet. You know, like it's, you, you can maybe view it that way. I didn't particularly view it that way, but they're, they're kind of sitting at the edge of the lake. They're about to share their death experience together because it's, it's inevitable. Um, I felt like that. I really felt like that scene worked. I felt that scene was beautiful. You know, just watching these two characters come to terms with, okay, you know, we're going to, this is it. We're going to share this experience together. We're going to be honest. We're going to bear our souls in some ways. Um, and, uh, and we're going to kind of just get, be part of this with each other uh, at the end. Um, I'd love that scene. Yeah, um, that was really good. And you know what I thought of watching that scene? And it just, it made it click even more because I thought about the other scene that I was thinking of. And I was thinking about this and they were both just meshing in my mind with how well they were they were done that scene reminds me 100% of rogue one. Ooh, yes. They're on the planet. They know what's going to happen. They're embracing it. They're just going to, they're going to enjoy this last moment with this person. And they like, they can't do anything about it. I immediately, immediately saw rogue one in my head. Um, I didn't see that, but now I will never be able to unsee that. You're you're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it 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 does it again. I I mentioned this at the beginning. This really made me believe that this Loki wants to change and do better. There's there's a really really strong performance in this episode from Hiddleston. And again, just the emotion of when he gets upset with Mobius and he's like, he slams on the table and is she okay? Like that's genuine. He, yeah, that is a genuine reaction of an outburst. That's just like, stop, like, stop doing this. Like I, I need to know that she's okay. And I love it. And even Sylvie, when they both are at the door to go see the timekeepers, and just the subtle, you okay? And he just nods at her. 
the, again, little tiny things that Disney Plus has been really good at doing, getting a lot of emotion out of small bits. And they they did it really well again here. So throughout Loki's entire screen time uh, in the MCU, um, certainly more prior to this show, but even even through the events of this show, you mentioned his outburst where he's showing real genuine, like, is she okay? How many times have you truly believed what Loki was saying? And I don't mean necessarily that he's lying, but just how many times have you believed his intention? How many times have you truly 100% knew what he was trying to do in a scene? He might be saying things that he means. He might be saying things that are truthful, but he's, you're, you're never actually sure what he's working towards. You know, throughout the entire second Thor film, which again is, is not good, you're always waiting for him to pull the trick that backstabs Thor and he pulls a trick and it ends up helping Thor. Um, you know, you, you keep waiting for something to happen. You keep waiting for him to do something, you know, because he's the God of mischief. You, you keep waiting for that backstab um, throughout his entire MCU run. Th- this, especially this episode is really the first time where I actually believe this was authentic. 100%. There was no doubt unequivocally his intentions are clear. I believe what I'm seeing. I don't have any doubt what he's attempting to do right now in this moment. Yeah, it's again, that's a hundred percent accurate. It's a hundred percent making me reevaluate how I feel about this, <laughs> how I feel about this episode. It's one hundred percent making me say I am going to watch this again and it's just oh man it's so fascinating so you know rob anything else in here that you you know is there anything else that doesn't work for you because i'm i'm starting to struggle now thinking of what doesn't work for me in this episode um before we move on to what doesn't, I got one more small thing I want to talk about that really does work. And, and it's not necessarily that it makes me happy, but it makes me think it makes me, you know, feel emotion about, about this episode, about this series. When they flash back to young Sylvie, um, getting arrested by the TVA and again, really feeling like if you're arresting, like what she like 12, 13 at the time, maybe less, like that's, you know, that's, that's pretty militaristic. That's pretty fast. Yes. Um, that whole scene just really had me, it's just, it was fascinated. You know, she's not treated well, like she's a kid. Uh, they're just dragging her around. She is not given any sort of accommodation or anybody to sort of help her understand like what's going on and what her true quote unquote crime against the sacred timeline was that she has no concept of. And, and just thinking about her from the time we see her escape, with the the uh, with Ravona's ten pan or whatever they're called, her, her little flip phone, um, and she starts escaping through history, and she figures out like how she has to survive is by living in these apocalypses. So you think about a teenager becoming a twenty something, a thirty something, however old you know we're to believe Sylvie is, um, and and escaping throughout history and and whatever the rate at which an Asgardian god you know ages, which is not the same as you or I. 
thinking about her just escaping through time with no real home and she's constantly living in apocalypse after apocalypse, what kind of impact will being around that much death and destruction have on a person? You know, a person during their formative years is just surrounded by Mount Vesuvius blowing and, you know, nuclear bombs going off in Hiroshima and just she's surrounded by this giant fiery inferno all the time. And that's just Friday to her, you know, like it's no big deal. Like, Oh yeah, it's a big explosion. You know, everybody died. It's an earthquake completely wiped out this whole civilization off the map. Oh yeah. This one was a flood, you know, like just being around that, um, you know, that's, that's like when you really start thinking about what her life was like just to survive, that's like incredibly depressing and kind of bumming me out. But it's, it's one of those things about this episode that um, kind of stuck with me a little bit more than some of the other things, just kind of thinking about that and, and what that must be like. And, and when you find somebody like the, like Loki, who's actually a peer um, that they have something in common with, um, We'll, we'll talk about the the relationship, I think, a little bit more when we get to the things we don't like because it's kind of creepy to me. Um, you can almost kind of understand what that, you know, that the, the need to want to be with each other because, you know, he's the only one who could possibly understand her just really was was kind of cool and, and thought provoking, I thought. Yeah, you know, I forgot the exact line that she said, but when she's talking about how she was just jumping through and everything like that, she she makes uh, some sort of mention about I'm God, Rob, how did she say it but like I'm the the victim of like a thousand worlds or something like that. She mentions how her entire life is just watching things destroyed. I don't remember the exact line, but it's um, it's one of those things that you think like, what, what kind of trauma would that have on a person? Like that's messed up. Like yeah, if no, the average 100%. person saw a car accident on their way home from work or something like that. Like that, like that's a person who's probably better off seeking counseling than not. You know, like they, they saw something really traumatic. You know, and and that's you need a professional's help to kind of move on from that in some cases. And she's been surrounded by it and that's all she knows. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree. And I, I want to point out one other thing before we switch to sort of their relation, their relationship. Talk about like just little tiny things, but you're like, Oh, well there's, there's a little tiny drop and there's a little tiny breadcrumb. Uh, Mobius is talking and he says, you know, man, we've, you know, we've dealt with bigger things than this. We've dealt with Kree. We've dealt with Titans. And he just, again, like it's no mm-hmm. big deal. He says, and vampires. Um, yep. Oh, I'm sorry. You've dealt with vampires in the MCU before. So we know that they're doing blade. We know that Morbius is coming out from, Sony's division, which somehow, if you remember the trailer for Morbius, has Michael Keaton's vulture in Sony's universe. But it also, and it cannot be by mistake, it's got to be tactical. In one scene in that Morbius trailer, he is walking by a brick wall, which has a picture of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. 
on the wall that says murderer. Now, we know that the public thinks that, um, oh, geez, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, they think he's a murderer in this universe from Spider-Man Far From Home. Why is it the costume of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man in that trailer? So are we talking they've dealt with Morbius? They've dealt with Blade? They've dealt with both? Who knows? But we know Blade is coming. We know Morbius is coming. We know there's a multiverse. How deep is this going? So there, it opens up just, no pun intended, a web of <laughs> pathways to think about. It's a good dad joke. Right. <laughs> I've got a calendar over here. <laughs> um, it's it's one of those things that that could be a little wink and a little nod of things to come. Um, it might be nothing. It might be it might be a real breadcrumb that we'll look back on and be like, oh yeah, that was definitely what he intended. Um, because that's the that's the really beautiful thing about the TVA as you think about it. Even if the character of Mobius is pruned and truly never going to live on in his timeline from that moment. He's, he's seen all all of, all of existence. You know, they had the conversation, they've seen it all from start to finish. So if you still want to use that character, you can like, you can, there's absolutely no reason that he can't just appear and be, you know, a, a version of himself that was 30 years younger, but is the exact same age because of how time works differently. And that's, you know, they pop in and out of the timeline. Um, so we could we could continue to see these characters, and, and actually, I mean, we could even see Ravona um, when she's not in kind of her supervisory role, and when she was was more of you know one of the shock troopers. We could we could see her that way too, because there's no reason that that time has to work that way. And my brain hurts like thinking about this stuff. Like, here's the thing about this episode, and here's the thing about this show, and I think we talked about it right at the very beginning. If you're somebody who really wants time travel to make sense, if you're somebody who really wants like like real physical laws to matter and, and things like that, you're probably not going to enjoy the show. This show is best enjoyed when you kind of just switch your brain off uh, for some of those things and just, just let this thing spoon feed you. Like, here's the rules. Just go with it. Like, don't ask questions. Like, don't try to make time travel make sense. Don't try to make all these paradoxes make sense. Just kind of go with it and you'll be much happier. And, and I think that's really the way you got to watch this. Yeah, um, I, I think there's there's so much truth to that. Um, <laughs> My brain literally does hurt just thinking about that stuff. By the way, yeah, no, there there's definitely times when it's I think there's smoke coming out off of me when I'm thinking about it. So, you know, there's a lot more good than I thought. So. It would be only fair, though. That's what we do. We talk about both. Rob, I'll let you start it. What didn't you like about Loki and Silva's Sylvie's relationship? I think it got I think it got better. I think in episode three and part of it in episode four seemed a little off. Um, I think they kind of course corrected in the same episode, but there were some some weird parts. Yeah, so um, I, I think you're absolutely right with how you set that up. You know, in three and part of four, it's it's weird. It's um, are, do, do they love each other? Like, 
as brother sister? Do they have you know a desire, a romantic desire for one another? Like you're you're not really sure. Like certainly in three, it, it leaned that way. Um, in in this one, less so. But it's there's still something about this relationship that seems kind of cringy to me. Like like so they're a variation of each other. So is this incest or is this is this something else or is this like, what is this? It's, it's weird. And I, I kind of wish that somebody would just like, they would, they would just be really excited to be best friends with each other forever. And we never have to consider the possibility that there's any romantic interest, you know, from either party towards each other. Like, you know, and Mobius says it best, you know, it's like the most incredible expression of narcissism ever to be in love with yourself. Like it's actually a really funny line. Um, and he delivers it and not an Owen Wilson way, by the way, like that's not him doing his, his comedic sort of role. It's, it's a funny line in, in a, in a way that he's not typically delivering a funny line. Um, it's cringy to me. I, I just, I get my skin crawls a little bit when they're on screen together and you're not sure what the intention is back and forth. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does kind of tie into, I mean, it really does tie into the fact that he's like, I'm, I'm a narcissist. He says that to Sif. And then the fact that maybe it seems like he like almost was in love with this version of himself. Um, so it does really kind of tie in because I don't think, you know, it, it's not just a stop overnight with things like that, you know, whether it be, you know, you're addicted to smoking or things like you don't, most of the time it's not, you quit cold Turkey. It's, it's rough. It's a struggle. You need support. And you know, there's, there's times when the wind kind of blows you maybe a little bit too close to the edge there. So I think it does fit in with the fact that he's admitting that. So, in a way it would make sense that that would be something that's happening. I was having this conversation with somebody earlier today about it. And it's, we came to the conclusion that when it comes to this particular subject, this show makes me ask a whole lot of questions, but I don't want the answers. Yeah, that's geez. Wow. <laughs> I love it. (laughs) (laughs) How many times can you say that about something? Yeah, that's true. Um, You know what? Just because of that sentence, do you know one thing that I want and I, I have to have, and I need it more than I said for people who watched or listened to the WandaVision episodes and everything like that. How I said, I, I needed him to be Quicksilver and everything else. Do you know what I need from this show before it ends? And I have to have it or I will be thoroughly disappointed. I'm, I'm excited. Lay it on me. If I do not get Mobius on a damn jet ski, <laughs> I will be <laughs> so upset. <laughs> I, I need that as like the end credit scene to episode six him pulling a jet ski into the water, taking off. And you know what I want on top of that? I want the classic Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. I want that. Yes. I want that as an end credit scene where this guy is back happy and riding a jet ski. I need it. 
Um, I, I, okay. I needed to, <laughs> I'm in, you sold me a hundred percent. Um, you know, it could be interesting if we, if we get Mobius back because obviously Loki is pruned and he shows up somewhere else. Um, there's obviously very powerful entities or a singular entity that is controlling this. Um, you could, without having to stretch too much in universe, explain Mobius still being available and around. Um, and I think if the TVA in the last episode gets kind of defeated and all of these variants return to their multiverse, their timeline, their whatever, their, the life they had before, um, I think you can see that. And I think you see him with kids. If, the, if that does happen, I think you see him with a family and they're all out riding jet skis together. Yeah, that would that would warm my heart, so to speak, to actually see <laughs> that. So that would be absolutely fantastic. So, Rob, do you have anything else from you know this segment from seat to screen that you wanna that you wanna talk about? Um, something that didn't work. I teased it before. Um, the throne room fight scene. It. It, it doesn't not work for me, but it also doesn't work for me. Um, I don't actually dislike this fight scene as much as I dislike the throne room fight scene from The Last Jedi, where it's clearly just a bunch of guys in red plastic armor standing around waiting to get their ass kicked. Um, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not that to me. Which, by the way, I've seen that fight ranked very high in the list of of uh, things that like a list of best lightsaber fights in the whole Skywalker saga. So I have, I have a bone to pick with that, but your brother said that, didn't he? Didn't I'm pretty he, sure he did. Yeah. He said, I distinctly vividly remember hearing him say it uh, during an episode that you two hosted, which will definitely will plug. Yeah. But I, cause I remember being surprised that you didn't just, go, wait a minute, what are you talking? Like, I was surprised that you didn't <laughs> stop him and say, what are you talking about right now? Because I, yeah. I know how you feel about it. And I, I just remember like chuckling and laughing, listening to that when he goes, it's it's one of the greatest ones I've ever seen. I was like, woo, talk talk I, about the complete opposite of the spectrum. <laughs> I, let him, I let him just have that for a minute because it would have taken me <laughs> at least half an hour. Like we would have never talked about Fight Club because it would have taken a long time for me to tell him why he was wrong. Um, as far as what I dislike about, about the throne room fight scene here in Loki. And it's, it, look, it's, it's, again, it's a male character and a female character back to back us against the world. Um, and there's, there's elements of this that don't work. And I'll tell you, it took me till my second watch. And I, I had two watches on episode three and I wasn't, and I complained a little bit about the, the fight scene on the train where it just didn't really seem like Loki had really an understanding of how to fight. Like something just seemed off. And what really becomes apparent to me is as they were, as they were building out this show, as they were building out the look of the show, the set design, the costume design, all of the things they were doing. I don't believe they ever really stopped to think about how does Loki fight? They never, in my belief, really planned that out. It, they just kind of stuck him in the scene and, and 
you know, the stunt people went to work and just sort of created these, these fights, but without ever really thinking about Loki as a character, how does he actually fight when, when things are happening? Um, which I've actually talked about in regards to the MCU as a whole. One of the things I really like best is, is how much attention has been paid to how characters with these abilities and these powers, these suits, whatever it is they have, what would it look like if they did get into a, a battle? You know, how would they move? What would their attack style, their defense style be? Um, Ant-Man is a great example of that. But Loki really fights without any sense of style. I mean, this dude 100% got his ass kicked a lot as a kid. We Certainly we saw Lady Sif beating him up pretty good because he was constantly pulling crap. Like, this was a guy that was getting punched in the face and punched in the gut all the time as payback for something he did that he just thought was wildly hysterical. And for him to never have to learn how to defend himself, you know, when you think about, you know, growing up with frost giants and stuff like that, like you're telling me he never had to learn how to defend himself. Like his brother was the warrior. Sure. Um, his brother had the military training. Sure. But he never received any of it. And to me, it's really a missed opportunity to incorporate his, his true trickster nature. You know, as, as I was really thinking about, well, what would it look like? And what I pictured was if you're an MMA fan, uh, Anderson Silva, I think is a great example. You know, he's somebody who is almost impossible to hit very elusive um, and then had pinpoint precision with his strikes. You know, if you're a boxing fan, Floyd Mayweather, I think is a great example. You know, the guy would just slip, he would move. You, you would, you would tire yourself out trying to hit him because he's just so elusive. Um, you know, he's thinking ahead of you, you know, Loki's always thinking so far ahead. And when it comes time to fight, like he just goes out and just throws punches and kicks, you know, it, it, without any real, you know, Loki feel behind it. You know, I, I just feel like it's such a missed opportunity to incorporate his ability to, you know, create diversions and create illusions and mess with people's minds. Um, and, and when you, when you think about it from those, from that standpoint and you rewatch that fight scene, it, it almost becomes offensive, you know, like it just, it, and it, that's why it didn't work for me. Yeah. I, <sighs> You know, I did kind of forget about that, but you're a hundred percent accurate. I, I remember watching this episode and saying that these, even some of the fights in general from the previous episode, that these were some of the weakest to me choreographed fights in these shows so far. Um, and maybe that is because of the style that's that's you know used in this fighting. And I understand like everything that you said makes total sense, and why Loki would fight like that, and you know everything else. But yeah, that definitely did stand out to me that I was not impressed by the fighting, but a lot too to do with like the choreography of how and how it was filmed. So I will say too, that is one thing that I've been surprised at by this show. There have been some things in this series that kind of make me go, boy, like, did you like, did you forget that you're the MCU? Did you forget that you're Disney? Because some of the camera shots and everything else, like do not line up with what we're used to. Yeah. Um, and just going back to the fights for a second, we we definitely the three of us when we were talking about WandaVision, you think about the vision versus vision fight towards the end of that show. 
we praised how creative it was, how what a great use of those characters' abilities it was. Um, at different points of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, with Sam um, having the wings and, and the way that he uses those um, was really creative and really well done. Um, you know, we definitely talked about those things and, and how well they were done. So we've seen it on Disney+. Plus. It's not that they're sending their B squad out to to do the, the shows and leaving the A squad to do the movies. Um, it just kind of feels a little a little out of place and almost and definitely a miss. Yeah, uh, abs- absolutely. Um, yeah, I think... Rob, do you have anything else or is it time to move to uh from the lobby here uh that's uh those are kind of my two beefs the uh the weird incestuous uh scene or or just nature and uh and the the throne room fight just not not my not not working for me but yeah those are my two yeah i i think that's that's really covered it for me so we're going to go to from the lobby. Now from the lobby is our favorite scene and our least favorite scene from this episode. Rob, I'll, dealer's choice. Which one do you want to start with? Um, least favorite scene is going to be the throne room scene. Like I, like I talked about, it's hard to, uh, it's hard not to see it once you've seen it. Like once you've realized uh, something about it, you just can't unsee it. Yeah. I, this is where we're in. Not that it happens, you know, often where we're not like pretty much thinking about the same thing, but I a hundred percent am in agreement with you on that least favorite scene. It is one of those things where once you see it, you can't unsee it and you can't even try to say, well, you know, there's, there's this part of it that's redeeming. It's you just focus on too much of what you do see that's wrong. So I'm in a hundred percent agreement with that. Uh, favorite scene uh, for me is uh, Mobius and Loki back together. Um, it's kind of, you know, it kind of splits up with him getting thrown in the, uh, the time cell. But uh, if you kind of look at their interactions uh, from start to finish um, is absolutely the highlight of, of this, uh, of this episode for me. And, and so far of the season has been, has been the highlight for me. Yeah. I tell you, because again, there's not, again there's not as many like big action set pieces to say like wow that was filmed so great and this is that these shows most of them have been about emotion and drawing your feelings out to say wow i care about what happened i care about these characters they have done a really good job with it and yep that you know, for me, it's that scene where he goes back to get, well, actually it's, I mean, it's every one of them. Cause it's all, you know, it's just a build up to him going back to get Loki. And even when Loki's like, they're lying to you, you had a life before this, it, you just start to see the chinks in the armor of Mobius about what, no, I can't be- like, wow, what a last ditch effort, but you can immediately tell that he's just, well, well, wait a minute. What if he's telling the truth? And it's, it's a really good buildup. And I did mention that's part of why I feel like I would have liked to see him stay longer to see more of that. 
but yeah, their interaction in this episode is great. And then him going back to get him and just telling him that line of, you know, you could be anything that you want, even if it's somebody good. I love that. It's that whole interaction is my favorite part of this episode, which talking about it, boy, I, I definitely have changed my feeling on this episode through talking about it. I've worked it out a little bit better too. I think I, I think I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty satisfied with the ranking, uh, with it, with the reels rating that I've settled on. Um, because about 45 minutes ago, I was not. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, let's get into it. And I am, I'm going to let you go first. Cause I'm, I'm chomping at the bit now to know where, <laughs> so did you have an idea? I know you said you didn't write it down. Did you have an idea or a ballpark of what you were thinking before this started? And then where is it now? Um, I had, I had as low as three. I had as high as four and a half and kind of ended up in the middle. I feel very confident that I ranked this as four reels. Um, the, the things that I dislike i don't think um stand out to me as much as the things that i do like i I think that in terms of a a redemption from last week's episode that neither one of us particularly got into um and and largely as i've talked to people throughout the week like oh hey are you up to date on loki and they're like oh no i've only seen the first two i haven't seen the third yet um, I basically just told them, listen, you can just download the show and listen to it. And, and that's every, you'll get more entertainment value out of that, uh, than you will out of seeing it. Cause it's filler. Um, so it's, it, it's a good bounce back from that. Uh, so yeah, four reels. And I feel pretty confident that that's, that I'm happy about that ranking for myself. Yeah. Well, you know, when I first started, I was going to give this two and a half reels. I had some mm. real I had some real issues. I thought it seemed total filler again. I wasn't really happy and through talking about it and really diving deeper into how I feel about you know the behind the curtain things that are implied with this episode, it has definitely brought me it has actually brought me to the same reels as you. I will give this episode four reels based on talking this through and I cannot wait to actually, I'm going to go back and watch this episode again. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I think sometimes it, like I said, most of these, I, I think throughout the course of reviewing episodes of, of television and films before we've started, I, I have it written down. I know what it is. I've maybe adjusted it half a reel here or there before, just as I've kind of had the opportunity to reconsider based on a you know, new piece of information. Um, but for the most part, this is, this is definitely the first time I've, I've walked into a review, not really knowing what my final ranking was going to be on something. Um, and I think that just goes to show that uh, it's good to talk out your feelings sometimes, right? Mental health is important. Talk, talk it out, find someone you trust and, uh, and get that information out there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Rob, as we've rated this, we we mentioned how you uh, 
you had a little conversation with your brother. Oh, yeah. And I, I, you know, I'd like to give you a second here before we close out to, to talk about what that meant, because I was really excited about it. I know it was something that I could genuinely hear the excitement uh, between the two of you to get a chance to talk about that. So why don't you tell listeners what that was if they haven't had a chance to check it out yet? Uh, certainly I can tell and see by the downloads that people have listened to that. So why don't you give people an idea of what that was? Sure. So uh, first of all, th- uh, thanks for the opportunity to plug the the episode and, and absolutely thanks for uh, letting me borrow your channel for uh, for a, a, an hour or two. Um, as, as I've had the opportunity to, to appear on this show and uh, Matt, you and I have been invited to jump on with our friend Harrison on his show, The Basement Binge, which uh, I certainly recommend everybody check out. There's a lot of great content there, if you, especially if you like this show. Um, and it, it kind of really started when he asked me a question about why why I love movies. And and I gave an answer and I was very satisfied with the answer. And then we, we cut off our recording for the day. We were done. And I was continuing to think about it and just kind of think about it, think about it, think about it. And it's one of those things, you know, you're just driving around and random thoughts will pop into your head. And, you know, I was just thinking about the the incredible impact that movies have made on me. Uh, there, and there's a number of films that are going to stick with me lifelong, you know, and I think we all have those ones. Uh, certainly you've mentioned Breakfast Club for you and, uh, and we'll just it's going to be hard for anything to ever replace it. Um, you know, and I was just thinking about some of those different ones that uh, maybe with the, the typical focus of, of Matt Goes to the Movies being on a lot of newer stuff, a lot of stuff that's coming out now, uh, going back in the past a little bit here and there. But um, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to take a minute and really dive deep into some of the films that have really had long lasting, just incredible impact and will stick with me forever. Uh, and as I was thinking about it more and more, it, it just occurred to me that, um, I needed to invite somebody on with me. And uh, the first person that immediately came into mind to, to share some of these experiences with is the person that I shared many of them watching the film for the first time with. And uh, so I talked to my brother, Eric, about it. He's certainly a fan of this show. Um, and uh, we talked about what that might look like. And he was very excited to do it. And uh, I was very excited, Matt, that you were like, yeah, let's let's do that. So uh, you know, there's, it's the first entry in the MGTTM extended podcast universe, which is uh, a very big name for it. Uh, we called the show Rob's Reviews, and um, it, it functions very similar to this. Um, we talk a lot about uh, what, why we like the film, why it stuck around so long, and certainly we talk about some of the big most important lines that everybody remembers from these big, important movies. Um, it was a lot of fun to do. We had a great time doing it. Uh, it's probably not something we'll get a chance to do very often because I'm going to tell you hosting is really, really hard. Matt makes it look easy. Uh, and, and by the way, he's doing it without notes. Like, I'm just going to point that out. He's got nothing in front of him. He's looking at his Chromebook. He's got nothing else in front of him except maybe a glass of water and his mic. Uh, I have pages of stuff <laughs> that I had to prep. So that's why I make it hard. Uh, I'm happy to uh, to co-host on the big show here uh, regularly and and uh, and just occasionally do Rob's reviews. But yeah, we've got a couple different things that we've talked about for the future that we're really excited about doing. Um Again, the films that have really left a long, long-term lasting impact and why, and really getting a chance to dive deep and some behind the scenes stuff in some of those movies. Um, so we've got some, you know, a couple different things we've talked about for the future and I'm really looking forward to it. 
Yeah, it was, you know, when we talked about it, certainly it was a no brainer for me because I've mentioned this before, but a lot of this content on Matt goes to the movies wouldn't be like here if it wasn't for you, uh, whether it's the video recap that I've done or a couple, you know, the star Wars, uh, teaser that you put together for the show and just co-hosting a lot of these episodes, this content exists a a lot because of you too. And it's been a blast. So, you know, that was a really great idea. I look forward to hearing more episodes of that because I I love the first one. People have I like I said I know they've listened to it. So if you haven't gotten a chance to uh, check that out, and Rob, every time you've said the name of it now, it reminds me of Coulson in the first <laughs> um, Iron Man movie where he's like we're a strategic home. You know, <laughs> she's like <laughs> yeah. he's like yeah we're, we're work we're working on it. <laughs> it's a working title. Yeah, yeah. It's the MGTTM EPU, the Matt Goes to the Movies Extended Podcast Universe. Um, yeah, it's uh, there's not a, even the short version of it is not a short version. There's not a cool <laughs> acronym that we can come up with out of that. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, um, that was it was great to listen to. Certainly, some unique insights into why that movie, you know, holds a a, a special place for both of you, which was fascinating to listen.